Do you like games? Cool. Do you like fantasy football? Well, you're here. Do you like games about fantasy football? Sweet. I have the perfect podcast for you. Dynasty Game Night, hosted by yours truly, Russ Fisher, Matt Price, John Bosch, and Rocky Petrella. We play games about fantasy football. You might learn a little something, but really, we're just here to have fun. So if you like playing a game about a game about a game, then check out Dynasty Game Night, a proud member of the DLF family of podcasts. Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yes, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast, Dan, Matt, and Ryan, and it's episode 557 of the show. We got a lot to get to this week as we prepare for Combine Week. We're going to touch on that briefly, but got an announcement with that. For sure, coming up in the show as well. But uh, another unique mock draft from the mind of Ryan McDowell. That's going to be a lot of fun. Give us a, a reason to talk about some of these free agents, some of these rookies that are out there. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, we got our sleeper stashes of the week, uh, as we always do. And we got three more rookies to talk about in the rookie report. But first, let's bring in the guys. Matt, you ready to go? You ready for this combine? You ready for free agency to kick off? That's all within the next couple of weeks. I know, man. I'm so excited. And I love I love talking about the rookies, but free agency is always so much fun too. That that first week that we get there where we're finding out all these these NFL studs, these dynasty studs, where their new homes are. Uh, it's just so much fun, especially we got, uh, you know, the wide receiver class is pretty unexciting. Uh, but the, the running back, uh, I mean, it's going to be really interesting, I think, to see how the, the talented running backs that we have in this class, which is is quite a few, I would say, plus the talent that's in this free agent uh, uh, running back class. Like, it's just it's going to be fun seeing where all of these guys end up landing and how they're going to affect our dynasty teams this season. Yeah, and we're going to we're going to preview some of that or at least uh, uh, try to preview some of that in in today's show. But Ryan, you're uh, you're a guy that follows the news and it's been trickling in the slowest trickle possible i guess not a lot of real news to go off of but that that it's really going to pick up here in the next in the oncoming days really yeah yeah i can't wait either we you know we got a few interesting things robert woods got released last week that was kind of one i think people probably saw coming but i mean that is just a uh you know that is just just the beginning certainly of lots of player movement uh free agency trading obviously the NFL draft and uh, yeah, we're going to talk about all those things today wrapped up in one. Yeah. Wrapped up into one. We, we get little restructures, some small extensions that have been announced here recently. The coaching uh, that carousel is pretty much washed out. We're, we're through that, that part of the season, but the combine is right around the corner and that is the topic of our startup. The startup. So the combine is really hours away now. We're, we're going to start this thing this week. And uh, there's a lot of people out there talking about what to expect and what not to expect. Some players that may not participate in some of these drills. Uh, that's certainly newsworthy. But we are, we're actually, Ryan and I, we're, we're going to attend. Ryan, we're going to go see what's up over there in Indy and try to get to know these players a little bit. 
and pass some of that on to our listeners and the readers over at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Talk to me about the combine and what your overall feelings are as we approach the big event. Yeah, certainly excited to, uh, to to get a closer look at these players. We can watch games and and read write-ups and, and things like that. Uh, but getting to be in, in the same room with them and uh, interview them or sit in on interviews, uh, getting to watch those on-field performances as they go through uh, all the drills, et cetera, is uh, – yeah, it's, it's. I think it's a huge advantage. Really, kind of gives you a, a little bit more insight into the players. And as you said, hopefully, uh, we can pass that advantage on to our listeners and to our readers. Yeah, so we're going to be there, but we want to preview it before we arrive in Indianapolis. Sure. We're going to do a a brief preview right now. But really, we got a we got a live combine preview show scheduled for Monday night at eight Eastern where we're going to take questions and talk to our listeners and, and the readers of DLF and uh, try to give, give our insights to what we expect to happen, what we might not expect to happen, and uh, just give a general feel for, for how this is going to play out and, and how that's going to affect the NFL draft and dynasty teams everywhere, Matt. So I, I guess we should, we should give our listeners a little taste of this. Is there one thing that you're really watching for in Indianapolis this week, whether it be a player, a situation, really anything that could go down that uh, dynasty managers should be thinking about? Yeah. I mean, there's so many, it's hard to pick just one, but for me, I want to figure out what's going on with Kayshawn Booty. We know the story there with uh, a dominant freshman and, 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 you know, first half of the sophomore season before that, that terrible ankle injury that kind of derailed his entire collegiate career. So uh, in his junior year, we haven't really talked about this player yet on the pod, but we will. Um, but, you know, that junior year that we, we basically saw nothing. We saw lack of effort. We saw jogging down the field, like that kind of stuff. So I, I'm really interested in seeing not only his medicals, how they check out with that ankle, but also the interview process and just kind of see where his head at. Because I think from from a film standpoint, from the first year and a half, like he, he you know, I think there's an argument for him to be included with the top receivers in this class. But then you see that, that last year and you're just really wondering what's going on with his head, this off the field stuff. Um, so I want to I want to really dig into him and, and really check out what he's got to offer here at the combine. Yeah, that's a that's one of the top ones for most of the dynasty uh, community. I would say Ryan, they we all yeah. we all kind of wonder what what's going on behind the scenes when it comes to Booty and and what's uh, what to expect when he uh, when he's entering the draft here this year. There there of course there's whispers, but we all see what he did on the field at LSU and and that's exciting. There's some there's a lot of raw potential there. Um but but all this off the field stuff clouds that that upside. And and I'm wondering if we'll get a clear picture or at least a clearer picture of what to expect based on what's happened what happens in Indianapolis. Yeah, I hope so. And, and that's a great one. I'm glad Matt pointed him out because they're uh, he's going to have to answer questions, right? About the off field rumors about the injury and his, uh, his slow recovery from that about his uh, really just his on field game over the past year or so. Um, he's got a lot of questions to ask, but we know he has that upside uh, on the field as well that, that we saw early in his career. So that's uh, that's why he's so important to uh, to us dynasty players the the thing I'm really watching for here in Indy coming up 
this week is is a little bit a little bit more broad, I guess you could say. But I'm looking at at our running back rankings. I'm looking at running back ADP, and we feel really confident about those top two. And then it is wide open from running back three. I know we talked about Zach Charbonnet last week, and all three of us liked him, but uh, certainly not locked in as the RB three. There's a half dozen guys here, so I, I'm really looking for some clarity. Uh, from that running back position, and it could come in the interview room. It could come uh, on on the field in these drills. Uh, it could come even in reports about uh, how they interact with teams and and things like that. Uh, of course, we we won't get to sit in on that, Dan. But uh, there'll be there'll be rumors and and talk going around Indy for sure. But I mean, you're looking at Zach Charbonnet, Zach Evans, De- Devin A. Chain, Tucker, uh, Tank Bigsby, Kendra Miller. You know, and and you could go even deeper than that, but really from RB3 to RB7, 8, 9, is very wide open right now. And uh, hopefully we get a little bit uh, a little bit more clarity, a little bit more understanding of that uh, group this week. Totally stole my thunder there, Ryan. I was going to say the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah. It's the running back yes, position that we care about. And I even get sniped by McDowell when we're not drafting. Uh, Every time. But- you hit the nail on the head, man. It's those running backs. We're going to talk more about Sean Tucker later in the show. We'll, we might hit on a couple of these other running backs as well, but they're, hopefully we get some of that clarity. I'll, I'll pivot. You talked about a wide receiver in, in booty, uh, Matt. Ryan, you went with a running back position. I'll go to the quarterback. I'll take the easy road and take the quarterback position. We might not see all these guys throw, but there's one guy who can, who can soar up draft rankings, and it's a guy I, I've been critical of. It's Anthony Richardson. He's, he's that – mega athlete right um that super strong arm and all the all the intangibles that that get gm so excited get dynasty players so excited i can't wait to see him throw in indianapolis i I can't wait to hear him talk at the podium and uh see how he sounds that confidence level that that he portrays on the field is that gonna is that gonna go into those meeting rooms with those teams are they gonna fall in love with that that skill set and that you know, he's really that lottery ticket, that that what if type player with with maybe an unlimited ceiling, even though I've been critical of him. I'm looking forward to seeing him in person and uh, seeing what he does on the field, what the rumors are about him uh, in those meeting rooms and, and how he might move up draft boards. There's there's already rumblings that we could be talking about him in, in the top 10 of the NFL draft. I heard Daniel Jeremiah talking about that, and that made me think twice about what I think about him right now and maybe what I should be thinking about as we approach this combine. So that combine show guys, it's Monday night at eight o'clock Eastern. We invite everybody to join us, look at social media. We'll be tweeting out that link. We'll be sending it out every which way possible. So uh, we can get some, get, get some of you on here with us asking questions. We'll, we'll try to try to answer as many as we can. Sleeper stash of the week. We've hit a lot of a lot of these sleeper stashes of the week throughout the season and now into the off season. We've hit some really good ones recently that I think are gonna are gonna make an impact here soon. So let's try to keep that going. Uh, we got our sleeper stash of the week where we take a look at a player outside our top 280p that could make their way onto your roster if they're not already there. And Ryan, you got it this week. Who do we got? Well, our job gets a little bit easier starting this month, guys, because uh, we've got those rookies inside our top 200. They're pushing some some pretty quality vets down 
now outside of the top 200. Uh, and one of those I want to look at today is Paris Campbell, wide receiver, uh, entering free agency, of course, recently of the Indianapolis Colts. He's uh, at 201 overall in our in our new ADP. So um, taking advantage of that for sure. But you look at, at Campbell's past uh, or his production this past season, his first season really in his career that he was healthy, uh, played all 17 games, in fact, played more games this season than he did his previous three years combined. And you can say the same thing for receptions, targets, yards, touchdowns, and even fantasy points. He had more of those, all of those this season than the past three years total. And, uh, you know, Paris Campbell's a, an intriguing player, kind of that gadget guy has a lot of upside. I think it just felt like the Colts were never the right fit for his, uh, for his game. So, um, He's, he's kind of a sneaky free agent. I know we've talked about this wide receiver free agent class and, and it does not look great, but uh, Campbell is, is kind of a fun player with that right landing spot could, uh, could really be gaining some value this off season. Yeah. I, I've loved Paris Campbell since he was at Ohio state. I originally loved the landing spot in Indianapolis, but you're right. It never really worked out. There's so many quarterback changes. We've had coaching changes as well. Total regime changes even, and uh, and the Colts just weren't the right fit, but he's going to find a new home. And if he can stay healthy and gets that gets that landing spot where where they need that slot guy that can uncover underneath and make big plays down the field, he could be an impact player for us in the dynasty community. So Paris Campbell is your stash of the week. Brought to you by Sleeper Fantasy, the fastest growing fantasy football platform in the world. Download their app, join a new dynasty league, or migrate yours to their platform and enjoy how easy they make it to manage all your leagues in one place. The DLF Dynasty Podcast Mock Draft. Yeah, it's time for a mock draft, another mock draft here on the pod, and we're going to we're going to take a unique look at this draft, not really drafting a team necessarily, but instead we're going to we're going to draft players we expect to change teams this offseason, uh, including these incoming rookies. So our goal here, Ryan, is not to build the best team necessary, necessarily of players, but rather we want to find that ideal fit for the team and the player, maybe the coaching staff, whatever it may be for us as dynasty players. So, um, we set a couple bound a couple of rules here. A player can only be drafted once, so even if you if you don't like the team that somebody else chose, uh, you can't take that player once again. We're going to try to get five rounds in, so fifteen players, free agents, and rookies. I got to know, guys, is there a is there a clear number one pick for you, Matt? There is. Yeah, I kind of thought so too. I was talking to Ryan before the show and he's like, oh, I don't mm. know if there's really a clear one. There's a lot of good ones, whatever. Uh, but Ryan, that means you're taking my guy, Dan, huh? Yeah, well, that means maybe, you're taking I my guy. Know. I mean, I guess it depends on how you think of the exercise. Again, there, there are some great players out there, obviously the incoming rookie class, but free agents, even players that have been uh, rumored to be traded. We're not, we're not necessarily trying to get the best players on, on this this fake team of ours where uh, you know, we're looking for those ideal landing spots that could impact potentially other players on that team as well. So I don't know. I'm, I'm anxious to hear the first picks from both of you guys, because I, I did not think there was a clear one Oh one, but I don't have the one Oh one. So that's okay. 
Well, maybe maybe there'll be two one-on-ones here, Matt, since you have one and I have one. <laughs> I actually drew the first pick in this exercise. Matt, you drew the number two spot. And Ryan, you'll 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 be the third pick uh, in the first round. We'll snake it just like we do in fantasy, but we might as well kick it off. And I'm I'm going with the guy that I think every dynasty manager at this point is wondering where is he going to be because I want him on my mm-hmm. roster no matter where he lands. It's rookie Bijan Robinson, and I'm going to put him with Philadelphia. Oh, it wasn't. I'm going with the Eagles. And okay. the 30th pick in the draft, that's plausible. That could happen. You you look at mock drafts, and, man, I spent a lot of time in the last week looking at mock drafts, and you see him going all over the place. I think there's probably a pretty good chance that he's drafted in the teens in the first round at this point. But with the, with the landscape of the running back position that Matt already talked about or, or Ryan you talked about with all, all these – all these running backs that are available in free agency, plus this rookie class. I think there's a chance that this trend of running backs sliding in the draft towards the end of the first round continues. Now, with that all said, Philadelphia is going to lose a lot of their defense this offseason in free agency. They're probably going to address that position in the draft rather than the running back position. But can you guys imagine, with Miles Sanders moving on in free agency, Bijan Robinson going to to Philadelphia to be paired with that set of receivers and that quarterback and that offensive line. Oh my gosh, that's a dream. It's Bijan to Philly 101. Wow. I'm shocked. I'm shocked by that one. Um I I don't know if Philly's a great landing spot for Bijan Robinson. As as good as he is, as good as that offense is, I mean, we know Hertz is going to snipe touchdowns. We know they're not going to throw to their running back. Uh, I don't know if I want Bijan Robinson in a, in a Philly uniform, to be honest. Mm, okay. I actually, Dan, I, I actually had the same landing spot. He was my number two pick. So we, okay. we were, All we right. were, we were close. So we and, get and, two one ones in this. I wonder what people out there are, are saying to themselves right now, because Matt, you agree, Ryan, you're on the other side of it. There's people clearly listening right now that are thinking, how could you take Bijan with number one, with all these free agents available and all these other uh, rookies that are going to be drafted? Matt, who did you think is the one-on-one? I, I just real quick, I did agree with Ryan, like in terms of the, the, maybe you're not going to get the passing game upside, but that offensive line is just so good. Can you imagine? So good. Sure. That? Uh, so anyway, yeah. So my one oh one was Lamar Jackson. Yeah. To the that's Atlanta Falcons. Two. Yeah. Yep, that's I want to see him Atlanta with the team who was the second run heaviest in the league last season, ran, uh, ran the ball 57% of the time uh, versus just 43% passing. Uh, get Marcus Mariota out of there. Let's throw to Kyle Pitts. Let's throw to Drake Drake London when we're actually going to throw the ball. Um, you know, they've got another fairly high pick. They could add some more weapons for him. Uh, Arthur Smith, we know how he feels about quarterbacks once they get in there. Sorry, uh, not, yeah, Arthur Smith and then Arthur Blank, the owner, we know how he gets attached to the quarterbacks once he gets in there. So if that happens, I think he's a Falcon for the rest of his career, and uh, I, I would love to see it. Yeah, I like I like this pick. I had it at two, and I I went back and forth on it because originally I would have chosen this one as the number one pick, and I just couldn't get away from Bijan. I did the the tiebreaker in this scenario for me. You guys mentioned the pass catching for Bijan. I think the tiebreaker for me is Arthur Smith. That I'm not convinced that Arthur Smith puts his his most talented players in the best position to be successful. And so I, I'm not sure he'd use Lamar in the, in the right way necessarily. Um, and that may, maybe that's unfair, but I see Kyle Pitts. 
being used as a blocker or a decoy. I yeah. see Drake London uh, getting opportunities that that don't necessarily meet his his above the rim type style. And I, I think to myself, man, I, I wish these guys would be put in a better position. I hope if if Lamar ends up in Atlanta that he doesn't get pigeonholed into this quarterback that's just supposed to distribute the football, that they continue to give him opportunities as a true running quarterback, not just a scrambler. Ryan, you agree with yep. Lamar going to the Falcons there as a, as a nice landing spot too, high in this draft. Yep, I had Lamar to the Falcons, and uh, as I said, I, I, I'm not sure who I would have taken 101, but uh, that's that's definitely a good candidate. Um, I'm not sure who I'm going to take at 103 either, actually. Uh, let's go with uh, a step down in player, I think, but certainly an intriguing possibility. Let's go with Trey Lance. Uh, let's let's go the trade route here. Trey Lance to the Tennessee Titans. We know the Tennessee Titans have hired Rayan Carthon uh, from the 49ers. We certainly know that the 49ers seem happy with Brock Purdy. Seems like he's going to be healthy, uh, hopefully, uh, for the 2023 season. And there's always been those those whispers out there that that coaching staff didn't actually even want Trey Lance. I don't know if I believe that, but uh, a trade of Trey Lance to the Tennessee Titans would uh, would pretty much confirm that. Wow, that is a surprise to me. I, I saw your eyes too, Matt, and then you kind of nodded your head. <laughs> this has been rumored. This is something that people are thinking about. Certainly Titans fans, I think, are excited about the potential of something like this. Um, I didn't expect this to go be quite this high in the draft, I guess. Really, the, the order doesn't necessarily matter. This would be incredibly impactful for Dynasty. Truthfully, though, as a as a huge Trey Lance supporter... I would be kind of bummed if he ended up in Tennessee, to be honest with you. That yeah. that doesn't seem like a great spot for him to hit his ultimate potential. Uh, again, I could be wrong about that. I, I hope that doesn't happen. I want I want Trey Lance in that Kyle Shanahan offense. Yeah, I, I think I, it makes I, sense I, from I a fit perspective, but like, yeah, I mean, you can see like you would rather obviously you'd rather be him on the 49ers team where they're stacked at at every skill position. Um, out there but you know maybe he's I mean what's one of the knocks on him but you know he doesn't he's not as developed as a passer he doesn't read the field well maybe if he goes to a spot where he can uh, run a lot more and has a big running back to like kind of uh, you know they can run those RPOs with them who's going to run is it going to be Lance or is it going to be Henry Uh, and then you just have really one or two weapons if you want to throw Chigio uh, Oconquo in there with with Traylon Burks, so you know maybe he can unlock Traylon Burks uh, and kind of lock onto him. I'm, I'm just trying to paint the optimistic case here, but I, I agree it's obviously a worse spot than San Francisco. Yeah, Ryan, you're on the clock with the first pick in the second round. You going with another veteran, or are we dipping our toe back into these rookies? I think we'll stick with the veterans. I did want to uh, go back to your pick, though. I meant to say this earlier. I had. I had Bijan Robinson to the Bengals late in the first round, so mm-hmm. of course that would come that would come with a uh, a release of Joe Mixon as well. Okay, so, so for the uh, record on this, Mixon could be drafted in this. Then, right? Well, <laughs> if if you think he's likely to change teams, go for it. All right, um, I'm I'm going to go with uh, with with the big one here, the one that we're all kind of waiting for. I'll go with Aaron Rodgers to the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, reuniting, reuniting with Devonte Adams, and uh, you know, getting certainly getting out of the uh, NFC as as the Packers prefer. So, 
you know, we, we've kind of heard some reports that he might be staying and that's certain, certainly nothing official, but um, just, just for the sake of fun and, and getting back with Adams, I'll go Aaron Rodgers to the Raiders. Matt, I got to know from you, if you had Rodgers on your list, first of all, I'm sure you did. And what team did you have him going to as an ideal fit? I mean, I went with the generic choice. I went to the to the Jets. Uh, yeah, I me just, too. I want to see him with Garrett Wilson. I want to I want to see him with that you know uh, that offensive line, that defense. Uh, um, you know, I just feel like it's a, a very nice fit for him. But and and also the Raiders. It, I just don't want to have to root for the Raiders. It feels like a place where <laughs> players generally go to die from a fantasy standpoint. Obviously, uh, Devontae Adams has has proven that to be wrong uh, to some extent. But uh, yeah, I would. Rather I think that's in. I think that's interesting. You said that though, Matt, because it seems like most Packers are are ready to be rid of Rodgers and wouldn't necessarily <laughs> root for him wherever he goes after the fact. You're, so you, uh, are, no, are you more uh, Rodgers than Packers? No, no, I, okay. I would rather him come back to the Packers, to be honest with you. I don't you know how I feel about Jordan Love. But if, if I have to see him go somewhere, it'd be it'd also be you got the Hayes following in Favre's footsteps to the Jets for a season, you know. Yeah, we'll see. I had him going to the Jets, too, for the same reason you have that running game. Uh, the young receivers and and that offensive line, holy cow! Plus that defense, that seems like an ideal fit. But but I I don't uh, I don't have any problem with Ryan saying the Raiders just for going back to Devonte and things like that. There's no problem there. Uh, how about you, Matt? You got the next pick. Who do you got? I did. I went with a running back. I went with Saquon Barkley to the Miami Dolphins. Oh boy. Uh, the Dolphins I had that one as well. I had the same they cannot, one. Uh, yeah, you know, they can't they can't get a running back. They're relying on Jeff Wilson and and Raheem Mostert and Sava Savan Ahmed still rolling around there. Um, if they could get an actual stud running back to go with those two receivers, they have no reliable third receiver, uh, especially since, uh, you know, Gusecki wasn't really involved and he's probably not going to be back. So you get that short area target with Barkley. Uh, to go with those two incredible receivers, and I just, I just love that fit. Mm, that I, it's interesting, Ryan. You had the same one. I actually didn't same have team, Saquon yeah. on my list because I think the best place for him is right there in New York to stay where he's at with with Coach Dable. Uh, it's kind of boring, but you know, six something they can afford yards him. and ten touchdowns. He was the RB five in twenty twenty three. Do we really want him changing scenery right now? That seems like the best spot for him in New York, but I agree in Miami, that does feel pretty good. Are they, I mean, are they going to tag him? Are they going to tag Jones? Like I just, like, it feels like they can't, feels like it's going to be hard to sign both long-term. Yeah. And again, it's kind of, it's kind of how you view this exercise. It's some combination of prediction and, um, you know, ideal landing spot or, or a wish dream landing spot. So, um, I think Barkley probably moves on, but I had a hard time finding a team that fit and I, I did settle on the Dolphins. Yeah, I, I would there was a moment where I thought, wouldn't it be crazy if the Cowboys moved on from Zeke, Pollard wasn't available or whatever, and they somehow swoop in and go get Saquon Barkley. That'd be a story. Yep. Uh so I thought about making it that one, but I, I kept Barkley off the list because I, I kind of want him back in, in New York. I'm back up at number six overall, last pick in the second round, and I'm going to go back to the to the rookies, guys. You guys have been sticking with all these veterans. I want Bryce Young to end up in Seattle with the Seahawks. 
Oh, that okay. is my ideal landing spot of all the quarterbacks in any situation. The Seahawks have the fifth pick because of that Russell Wilson trade. So, you know, most likely they have to trade up to make this happen. But young, he's like a super young version, better version of Geno Smith. Uh, they already have Metcalf and Lockett at wide receiver, Ken Walker at running back. That offensive line is good and a stable coaching staff, a stable offense that knows how to highlight his best skills. It might be a little bit boring again, because there's a lot of dynasty managers that want to see him in an offense that's high flying and uh, really exciting. But Seattle has the infrastructure around Bryce Young for him to be really, really successful. Plus, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of these quarterbacks sitting for at least part of their rookie year. And I think Geno Smith could come back before the draft. Then they draft Bryce Young and play him for a year, maybe even a year and a half. And Bryce Young takes over and he is the dominant player that we want him to be. That's my favorite quarterback landing spot in this draft for a specific player. I like it. I just, I just, I just want to see Gino be a starter for a while. And if this happens, yeah. it's not, you know, that's not going to happen. Um, but I do, I do like it a lot. If they were just, you know, maybe tag Gino this year and 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 you know, hand it over to to Bryce Young next season, I could definitely see that working out. I like it. I'm torn on that one. Um... <laughs> Ryan doesn't like any of my picks. <laughs> well, I, I like, I like the landing spot. I think you're. You know, you're certainly right that they've kind of laid the groundwork with what we saw from Gino this past year. But I just look around the around the league and the the need for quarterbacks, um, and yeah, and great. also just how how close Seattle was to really being a, a, a legit contender here. Um, I don't know that they would both sign Gino and use that uh, use that top five pick on. Uh, uh, on Bryce Young, if they, you know, if somebody throws throws the bag at Geno Smith and and then they have to move up, that would that would be a little different and certainly more plausible. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. I I, I love these rookies. I love talking about rookies. I'm, I got rookie yeah. fever. I'm going to stick with rookies <laughs> to start off a third round. I'm going to go to the wide receiver position, and this one is I'm a homer, guys. This is this is horrible. Uh, this it's Jackson Smith and Jigba to the Packers at 15. Yeah. And I don't care if it's Rodgers. I don't care if it's Love. I want JSN in Green Bay for the next 10 years because he is going to be a great player. He's mocked there, too. This isn't entirely unplausible. There's a good chance, I would say, above 50% chance that he's available at 15 in the NFL draft. There's below a 1% chance that the Packers would actually take a receiver in the first round. Uh, <laughs> but I think he could be a difference maker wherever he goes. I don't care about the offense. But I like JSN in Green Bay. Matt, can you can you dig that one? I can dig that. I have another rookie to Green Bay. Um, I actually had JSN to Chicago, but obviously I would much prefer him to be in Green Bay yeah. for selfish reasons uh, than I would in Chicago. But Chicago made sense to me to reunite with uh, uh, Justin Fields. I think they only played together one season, right? But so it's not mm -hmm. really a yep. true reunion, I would say. But uh, I just thought that, I mean, they clearly need, I mean, I think the Packers need a receiver, but the Bears, they, they definitely need a receiver. They need a lot of receivers. They do. <laughs> Uh, Matt, you're on the clock Matt? at 3.02. Who you got here? 
and this is not my Packers guy. My, my quote unquote rankings or whatever for this uh, this exercise, but I'm going to do it anyway. I said Jordan Addison to Green Bay. Get him a oh, little okay. bit of speed, an underneath receiver. You know, I, I think JSN, you know, has a little bit more size. Addison has a little bit more quick twitch ability. Um, it would be perfect to kind of like kind of assume that. I don't know if you want to call it the Randall Cobb role or whatever it is, if that's even going to exist with Jordan Love under under uh, center there. Um, but yeah, similar thoughts as with JSN, uh, just a little bit different style of a player. All right. I mean, so let's be honest, the Packers, Packers need both of them. <laughs> well, What's that? Yeah, that would be great. But that's be never going to happen. We're going to draft four more defensive players that doesn't actually like pay off on the um, on the field. <laughs> oh, right? stop it. Ryan, you're up at the 303. Who you got? <laughs> Uh, let's see. Um, I think I'll move over to the running back position. Uh, I'm going to go with Josh Jacobs. Okay. Josh Jacobs, Chicago bears. Uh, the bears have made it pretty clear. And David Montgomery has made it pretty clear that he's, he will be moving on. He's a free agent. Josh Jacobs is a free agent. He's made it clear. He wants the big payday and the bears have, I believe the most cap space in the league. Um, with with Justin Fields and, and with that early with that 101 and and potentially the other players or or draft capital that could come from a trade from that, I would imagine they're looking for a quick turnaround here. And that that goes along with the idea of investing in a running back, one of the best running backs in the league this past season, uh, in Josh Jacobs. Okay. That's uh that I, I didn't I didn't see the Bears coming coming there. Again, I left Jacobs off the list because I kinda wanna see him back in Vegas. It worked so well last year, they might as well run it back. But um I, I, I could see the Bears happening. I had him uh I had him to Carolina. Uh hmm. you okay. know, Deonta Freeman, I think, is a free agent. Uh, so I don't know. It seemed like they had a need there, but I don't hate Chicago. Like, uh, I think that's a, you know, probably an upgrade on, um, David Montgomery. I, I am interested in seeing what, what Khalil Herbert could do with a full-time role, but I don't know if they're going to hand that to him. Yeah. He couldn't stay healthy last year and it seemed like they wanted to give him a bigger role. That injury might've derailed, uh, that upside for him in dynasty. Ryan, you get to kick off the fourth round as well. Uh, let's go with uh, let's go with the third rookie wide receiver here. We've talked about Addison and JSN. You guys both want them on your team. Um, Quentin Johnston to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, oh. Dallas so clearly needs a wide receiver too uh, to play alongside uh, CD Lamb and and Johnston. I think would be a pretty good complement to Lamb. Different types of receivers. And uh, they've they've got that pick uh, 26 overall, I believe, somewhere in the late first uh, that would uh, line up pretty well, 27 overall, actually, line up pretty well with uh, Johnston's projected draft draft capital right now. Yeah, I like that. I had them to the Chargers, but I think Dallas works too. Two teams that are just dying for some kind of speed uh, on the outside there. Uh, so, yeah, I like, I like that pick. I got super greedy with Quentin Johnston. I wanted him. It's not, it wouldn't happen. It's not going to, no, it's not the Packers. Uh, I thought the Jaguars would be in just elite landing spot for him. We saw, you know, we saw with Trevor Lawrence, um, uh, he targeted Zay Jones so much. And Zay Jones caught 82 balls for 823 yards and five touchdowns. 
and had four top seven fantasy finishes in PPR leagues. Can you imagine if those were going to Quentin Johnston? Oh my gosh, yeah. that's that's like a dream scenario, I think. The Jags have such huge needs on their offensive line and in their secondary. I don't think they're going to go to offense in the first round. But if we're going to do something like this, I wanted to I wanted to give the Jags <laughs> another weapon, give Trevor Lawrence another weapon. So that's the one I took. And he would have been pretty soon on my list. Matt, you're up at the 402. Who you got here? I got only got two picks left, man. I have like five more that I want to make. Um me too, but let's go. <laughs> let's go back to the rookie since we're we're on that train. I'm gonna go Zach Charbonnet to the Buffalo Bills. I had it too. This is this is a cold weather Ooh. team. They need a big back. How are they still doing it with these tiny little backs? Uh, you know, I know James Cook is a great pass catcher, but so is Zach Charbonnet. He could do it all. He could never come off the field uh, if they wanted to run him that way. So uh, just just absolutely love that fit. Yeah, I actually had this one as well, even though in my gut I was thinking to myself, the Bills wouldn't use him right. They wouldn't give him the 17 carries that he needs <laughs> Possibly, because yeah. they just want to throw the ball even when it's a blizzard outside. So um, that seems like a fit, though. He could instantly take Devin Singletary's carries, right? All those would go to Zach Charbonnet immediately. Uh, and Singletary, although he's not a featured guy, he's 150 to 175 carries a year. So that would be, uh, that, that's a sneaky landing spot, especially for a between the tackles running back. I got my last two picks here to finish up the fourth round and start the fifth round. And I'm like you, Matt, I got too many guys to pick. I haven't taken a veteran, so I have to do one. And it's Tony Pollard. I know a lot of people probably just want him back in Dallas. I'm not one of them guys. I want to see him get that that featured role, and I want to see that in Atlanta with Lamar oh. Jackson as his quarterback. That duo in that backfield would be absolutely sick. Tyler Algier, guys, ran for 1,000 yards and had six top 15 fantasy weeks, finished as the RB22 in Atlanta with no passing game, uh, a good offensive line. They, they overperformed, of course, it, down there in Atlanta. Can you imagine what Tony Pollard would do down there, especially if they went and got on that uh, turf. Lamar Jackson on that turf? Tony Pollard, he's actually – I had him as the fifth, my fifth pick, uh, a fifth on my list, Tony Pollard to Atlanta, so I'm happy to get him here. The last I one, had uh, – oh, go ahead. I had Pollard to Kansas City as my fourth pick, but I just didn't do it. I don't know if they could afford him, but, like, get – you know, Jared McKinnon's getting out of there, get Pollard in as the pass catcher. Uh, but yeah, I like the Atlanta one too. Ryan, your eyes perked up when when you heard him say Pollard to Kansas City. Yeah, I mean Kansas City, Atlanta uh, with Lamar; those are both exciting landing spots. I'm, I'm, I'm on the other end uh, again with from you guys. I I kind of think he just stays in Dallas, and I think that's fine. But uh, yeah, it, fine. it will be fun, fun and interesting to see if if he does hit the open market and uh, who who would be after him. All right, I got one more pick in this thing, and I'm I'm picking between three guys, and they're I'm probably going to go with a rookie. Um, Let's do an honorable mention at the end. We can do an honorable mention. I (laughs) I'm going to go to. We haven't said this player's name or this team as a landing spot. I'm going to go with Jalen Hyatt, wide receiver from Tennessee. Uh, I'm going to put him with the Giants at the 25th pick. They need a number one receiver. Um, they probably need a wide receiver more than any other team in the NFL draft, really considering how they played last year and what they were playing at that position. Hyatt is probably available at the 25th pick that that's likely to happen, I would say, but his downfield ability and those ball skills 
are exactly what Brian Dable needs to run off a of play action. He could be highly targeted as a rookie. As far as dynasty goes, I think if Hyatt were to land or really any of these top four or five receivers land in New York with that kind of draft equity, that's going to be a player that's moving up dynasty rookie boards. It's a good one. Uh, I it would be a spot one, yeah. he could. Yeah, because one of my concerns with how Hyatt is he going to get a high high volume role right away, and with the Giants, he absolutely could. Yeah, he he might need it, right? He he was a one year performer really uh, for the Vols, right? And and he took that offense to a new level last year. It was a lot of of Jalen Hyatt. He he played really well, but um, that's that was one of my favorite fits when we did this exercise among the whole thing. In fact, I moved him up above guys like Jordan Addison and Quentin Johnston just because I love that landing spot for him specifically. Uh, Matt, you have your last pick in this exercise. Who's it going to be? Yeah, I got three that I want to make, but I'm going to go with the more exciting player. Uh, I'm going to say Jameer Gibbs to Dallas. Tony Pollard's moving on. Zeke Elliott has nothing left. Get him that new three down back in Dallas. You know, they love, they like their running backs. Let's get Gibbs to Dallas and the, you know, they can use their first round pick on a more pressing need and then use that second round pick on the running back and, uh, you know, save a little money on that position. Mm. That, that would be fun, Ryan. Jameer Gibbs in Dallas to replace Tony Pollard. Yeah, I like it. They better move up in the second round. I don't think Gibbs is falling to 59. Don't think Gibbs is falling to 59 overall. I actually had Gibbs. Uh, to the Falcons. Um, oh man, we are just so... crisscrossing on this whole thing. <laughs> I had Gibbs to Miami, but it was going to say Miami would have to trade up from fifty-two and, <laughs> to get him. But you know, and uh, you know, they only that would be their first pick in the draft, Miami. So I, teams don't usually do that either. First pick to to the running back position, but yeah, we we crisscrossed with all those running backs. That's fun. Uh, I think I have the last pick here and I'm I'm with you guys. Lots of, lots of options. I'm going to go with the guy who's uh, seemingly been in the news a lot lately. I'll go with Anthony Richardson, the quarterback uh, who is, is gone from, uh, it feels like has gone from late first rounder to potential one Oh one overall just in the last week. Somehow Um, I'm not going one Oh one to the, uh, to the bears or any other team that might trade up, but I'm looking at Detroit at six overall. Um, mm-hmm. They seem, seem pretty locked in to the, uh, to Jared Goff, uh, but Goff's not going to be there forever. Richardson certainly has uh, some, some growth that he will need to uh, uh, go through before he's ready to start. So Goff one more year, Richardson learns uh, the ins and outs of, of the NFL for a year and then we'll see what happens from there. Wow, that's a good I like one. It. I didn't think I, about that. I had it on my list. It was one of the three that I was considering for my last pick oh. as well, but I wanted to go with Hyatt. I've seen some rumblings about that. I think uh, Daniel Jeremiah talked about it a little yeah. bit, that that was the potential. And like I said before, I love those quarterbacks to sit for even an entire year if possible. That would be the spot where maybe I could get on board with Anthony Richardson uh again i can't wait to see what he does at the combine i had him to to, uh carolina but i like that too can we do one honorable mention round real quick real quick why don't you just name name your favorite honorable mention right now man okay my favorite my favorite one is mike gasicki to the packers dude i had that as well i had that as well (laughs) it's It's either him or it's michael mayer your your choice yeah, I had Michael Mayer on the list, but I put the Bengals for him. <laughs> like that would be 
That'd be pretty cool, Michael Mayer with, with I, that offense. I had I had that too. Oh, okay. <laughs> we're, we're, fun exercise. Yeah. I wanted to put Evan Ingram to the Packers, but he's going back to Jacksonville, right? We can't even count him as yeah. a team a player. That's I uh, think so. That's going to switch. I teams. think he will. My honorable mention would be uh, Michael Thomas to the Chiefs. So, oh, I had uh, it. Thomas, that's a good one. My, <laughs> Michael Thomas almost certainly getting cut with that with that contract restructure. The Chiefs have shown a willingness to gamble on those veterans, almost those reclamation projects. They did it with with Juju, and I think it worked pretty well. Maybe not as as well as some of us dynasty players had hoped, uh, but Juju's entering free agency. Uh, they have uh, once again a huge need at receiver. Uh, and I think Thomas might be pretty cheap, honestly. I think they could get him possibly for a similar type deal uh, to what they uh, did with Juju last offseason. Yeah, I love that. Juju didn't have a great dynasty season, but he had a great NFL season. And, and that was the reclamation project of the year. Mine, how do we do this whole thing without doing CJ Stroud, picking him to a landing spot? Yeah. I, I picked the Colts, and some people I might not Carolina. love that. I, I love, I'm excited about Shane Steichen, the new head coach there in Indy. Mm-hmm. I, I think if he got his hands on, uh, on CJ Stroud and, and that, you know, athleticism to, to, they'd probably have to trade up of course, but I kind of like, I would like to see what he could do with CJ Stroud. So that's going to do it for this uh, unique DLF dynasty podcast mock draft. Let us know what we messed up, who we forgot. Uh, hit us on Twitter with all of that stuff. Let's get to the rookie report. It's time for the Rookie Report. We th- we thought we were going to leave in ourselves a whole bunch of time to talk about these rookies. And we <laughs> failed. Uh, that was a, that time, was a fun man. draft, fun. though. Um, let's get right to it. It is C.J. Stroud is the first guy, though, guys. And uh, I just mentioned him as a as a potential fun landing spot in Indy, but really he could go he could go anywhere, right? And and be pretty pretty effective uh, considering his skill set. For me, the the top. The top thing that I like, I know, I know a lot of people are going to say it's accuracy, right? It's, everybody's going to say it's accuracy. He's so accurate in the pocket. I think it's the delivery that creates that, that accuracy. He's, his the ball touch. placement is great. It's that touch. He changes velocities as well as any player in recent memory that has come out of the, out of the draft. He knows how to rear it up and bring it in the middle of the field and on the edges when he has to. But he ha- he can feather it over a linebacker and in front of a safety as well as anybody, and I love that part of his game. That's that's the thing that makes him a- worthy of a top two or three pick in the NFL draft. To me, Matt, is there something outside of that for you? Like this guy, he's a prototypical quarterback, 6'3", 218. He played a near-perfect game on the biggest stage against one of the most dominant defenses in college football against that Georgia Bullfell. He lost the game because of a kicker, of course. Uh, but, yeah, you you nailed it. He wins with incredible accuracy. He hits those receivers with perfect placement, hits them in stride. He directs down, the downfield receivers where he wants them to go uh, when yeah, the play breaks down. Yeah, uh, he, you see him read the entire field with his progressions. Uh, he's do, able to do it quickly. Uh, and I think he's going to be do well transitioning the NFL if he goes to one of these teams that ha- doesn't have a great offensive line. Um, uh, because he's, he's just, I just, uh, it just, it just seems like he's a player that's going to be able to move around that pocket. I don't think he has necessarily the rushing ability as Bryce Young or, uh, uh, you know, that's going to get him to the top three of this position from a dynasty standpoint. Um, but he's so good as a passer. It's, it's hard to deny. 
He's more athletic than maybe all of us give credit for, though. It's like he doesn't want to show it off, right? That Although in that game, that game against Georgia, he showed it a little bit, right? He got outside the pocket and used his legs yeah. as a weapon, and, and that was kind of exciting. But it's like he wants to be that thrower, and that, that shouldn't be seen as a negative, really. That should be seen as a positive. He believes in his arm. He believes in his decision-making process, and I really liked that. That game against Georgia was fun to watch, and he put the team on his back. Uh, so if you want to see it's a, a negative. guy that – no, it's not a negative. I, I, it, but but it, but it's for fantasy. I feel like it might be. Yeah, I, I can see dynasty players thinking that. But I, I don't know. He can throw touchdowns too. That's fine. Ryan, what about you? Is there <laughs> something you love about CJ Stroud? You know, as I was, I, I tried to, of course, watch as much as as I could, and and you know, you always watch Ohio State games throughout the year. But as I was watching some of these cut up clips of of every throw he made in different games, my first thought was. He's just looking to his first his first read every time. He's just going to his first read. And the more I watched, I realized that was not the case. He was mm-hmm. just processing that quickly and yeah. going from first read to second read when needed um, so quickly and, and faster than uh, – definitely faster than other quarterbacks in this class. But, um, you know, it feels like that – you guys hit on a little bit, but that decision-making, just the – um, the understanding of how to play the position really stood out to me. So if there's a comp for me, you guys might not like this. It, he reminds me so much of Trey Lance. Trey Lance is a similar player, but he stays in the he stays in the pocket way more than Lance ever did at North Dakota State. And that's because he seems like he has a a perfect feel for what that offense at Ohio State is doing. He he calls out the checks at the line of scrimmage. He changes protections at the line. You see him talking to his center uh, and changing the protection. He calls out the blitzers. That's not something you always see. And Trey Lance was in charge of that all in North Dakota, at North Dakota State. So maybe maybe that's where the similarities kind of stop a little bit because Stroud didn't use his legs quite as much as Lance. But um, the, the elite arm talent is there. He's not a guy that that you can look at and say, well, is he going to make every throw? Uh, yeah, he's going to make every throw from the pocket, even on the run. If there's a negative to him, the one thing that has stuck out since he took over at Ohio State for me is he drifts backwards away from pressure. And it's annoying. He doesn't have – when he steps up and keeps his eyes down the field and makes the throw down the field, it's so impressive. And I don't know why sometimes – he starts drifting back when he starts to feel that pressure come. And it, it that might get to get him into trouble at the next level. They're going to have to get that out of his game because he's not that athletic that he can do the Lamar Jackson thing and spin out and turn around again and get away and then make the pass or, or, or run with the football. So um, if, if I, that's the main negative I see with Stroud, Matt. Did you have something that stuck out to you? Yeah, for me, and this was a for me as a striking difference between him and Bryce Young is that I I just think that CJ Stroud operates so much better when the within the structure of the offense. To me, when the play breaks down, you know he can create a little bit, like you said, you saw him run in the Georgia game, uh, but I don't think he's as consistent. He doesn't throw the ball as well on the run, especially as Bryce Young does. He doesn't reset those uh, that throwing base as fast as Bryce Young does, and he and he doesn't really like create 
offense when there's nothing there, if, if that mm -hmm. makes any sense. sense. So uh, that's the big difference between those two for me. But I mean, he's right there. One A, one B, take whichever one you want. I have a little bit of gap between uh, Stroud and Bryce Young. Uh, but yeah, I, did, I just don't know how often in the NFL the play goes as designed, you know, and that worries me a little bit with Stroud. Yeah, I actually have Stroud as my QB one slightly ahead of Young, but I have those same I have those same concerns, and I think that's I think that's a, a understandable criticism because I mean that's just kind of the nature of Ohio State, especially when you have I mean he's his wide receiver room at Ohio State is going to be better than <laughs> than it will be likely for whatever team he lands with um, early on, which is is wild. But again, that's the that's the nature of, uh, of playing for the Buckeyes. But, I mean, a dominant offensive line, the best receivers in the country, like it's not going to be ideal if you're playing for Carolina or Houston or the Colts or, or Vegas or whoever. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of I kind of share that concern, Matt. Yeah, I have. I have him higher than Bryce Young slightly. I, I think there's room based just on size, landing though? spot. What's that? Is it just size, though? Is that the, the deciding factor? Size is, a, is certainly a factor. Um, I, I, I love a traditional pocket passer with a little bit of elect electricity with his legs. And that's what he seems like to me. He's a little closer to like like an Aaron Rodgers type of, of athlete, right? Or, or even a Patrick Mahomes, Andrew maybe? Luck. Andrew, Andrew Luck, Luck. yeah, Andrew that Luck. kind of athlete that he can do it if he has to. If it's third and six and it's not working out downfield, he's going to get that first down. Uh, he's going to score the touchdown in the championship game with his legs when he has to. But he'll buy time. He'll buy enough time, and I think he's still getting better in that light. So I, I like Stroud slightly over Young, and but size is a factor. Let's rank him right now since we're talking about him. We've been doing these rookie rankings as we talk about these guys, and Matt. If you have to place him, we're expecting top five draft capital. We're expecting one of these probably poor NFL teams to draft him and put him in their lineup right now. If you had to rank him, is he right behind B. John Robinson, right behind Bryce Young, or or farther down the board? Yeah, yeah, he's he's at three, right behind Bryce Young for me. Uh, I see him more as a you know a QB six to twelve kind of yearly finisher more than like a top five finisher. And again, it's mostly because of that rushing upside. We look at the the top scores every year in, in fantasy, and it's littered with the um, you know with 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 Jalen Hurts and not it's not so much Lamar Jackson this year, but Josh Allen. Uh, and to really get those pocket passers in there, you know, I, I think you're right. He could he could rush about about as much as Patrick Mahomes does. Patrick Mahomes though is throwing forty plus touchdowns almost every yeah. season. It seems like right. So like if he's not going to be that like 5,000 yard passer with 35 to 40 touchdowns every year. I just don't know if he has the ceiling to be a top three to five kind of asset at the position. That's fair. So I have all him slightly that, behind Bryce Young. All that is fair. I, I mentioned I have him slightly above Bryce Young and, and, you know, I have some concern to, concerns about Young holding up at the next level and all those things. We, we've heard all that stuff. I think CJ Stroud, because of that passing ability, has the upside to potentially be that that 4,500 yards, 45 touchdown kind of player uh, down the road. So that's why I probably have him one spot above Bryce Young. Ryan, I imagine since based on what you said before, you're going to break the tie and put him at number two. Yep, I, I agree with uh, with Dan here. Stroud over Young, although uh, it is it is a pretty narrow margin. 
Yeah, and there there might be some flip flopping going on based on where they land in the draft and what happens uh, with as far as what coach they land with and what what weapons they have in place. Let's move on to our first running back of the day. It's Sean Tucker, and uh, this is going to be a fun fun uh, conversation. I think the Syracuse running back, uh, of course, early entry into the draft. Matt, he's a guy that that if you spend a lot of time watching, you'll see a lot of a lot of the same thing happening over and over and over. Some of it good, and some of them maybe that you think uh, are cause for concern. Which side of that do you land on when it comes to Tucker as an NFL prospect? Yeah, I am. I'm cautiously optimistic. I, you lo- got to love the production profile. Fifteen point seven percent best season reception share. He does have. He's not the best pass catcher. He's good, but not great. You see those drops there. But twenty receptions in twenty twenty one, thirty six in twenty twenty two. That's the kind of production profile as a receiver that I want to see from. Uh, any running back that I'm considering drafting. But in, in addition to that, as a runner, he's got he's he's just powerful and aggressive. He's got that build-up speed. You know, it takes him a little bit while uh, to get up there. So if they can build him a runway or get him into space as that pass receiver, um, uh, I think he's going to have, have a lot of success in the NFL. But there are certainly things uh, that are, are big question marks. Yeah, the, the hands are a question mark. The yeah. His, his uh, ability to get out of trouble is a big question mark he 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 gets clogged and bogged down and it's almost like he doesn't know what to do he kind of dances in the middle of the defense and that's a that's a problem for him but that that burst and that long speed and explosiveness and you know the big runs that you saw for him at Syracuse make you think wow he could be a difference maker he could be that guy that comes in and even with eight nine twelve touches in a game make an impact for dynasty managers. So that's what's probably keeping him at the fringe of the first round, Ryan, of our of a lot of rookie rankings that are out there. I wonder where you have him ranked and how you feel about his upside. Are, are, is he one of the guys that we're excited about seeing at the Combine because of all these questions about his positives and his negatives? He definitely is because I'm I'm kind of confused on how to value this player right now. Um, I mean, Matt mentioned the production. He feels like really kind of that old school type of running back to me, uh, but he doesn't quite have the frame to do that. At least I don't think he does in the NFL. I don't think he can continue to uh, be successful, you know, just running up the middle and, and running as hard as he has uh, at Syracuse. Um, you know, I almost wonder if, even though the production was, was great, I wonder what he looks like away from that quarterback who wants to run the ball all the time. Right. Uh, I think it was, I believe it was Schrader, the Syracuse quarterback the past two years. He, he just, he, he took that ball as often as he could running it out of the backfield. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see Tucker, um, you know, with, with a more traditional offense and, and a more traditional system in the in the league. But right now you look at our rankings, you look at our ADP, both of those things at DLF and and uh, rankers and mockers are in lockstep here. Uh, both of us or in, in both pieces of data, Sean Tucker is 14 overall and the running back six in uh, in our dynasty rankings and dynasty rookie ADP. Yeah, I have him at running back six, I think 18 overall in my super flex rankings. And 
there are like we said, there are things to like, right? He's he's got good feet. He moves. He has that nice slide step, and he can combine that with a secondary move, either that spin move or or that uh, you know that little that little juke thing that he that he does yeah. in, at the second level. So that's that's exciting. But I, I think the things that hold him back from a dynasty spe- perspective, Matt, are going to be that uh, we don't know if he's a pass catcher or if he can be consistent in that part of his game. And if he can't, can he stay on the field enough to be a playmaker and, and a regular contributor to fantasy managers? See, I think he can. I mean, I know like I know he's got issues with his hands, but the numbers are still there. He's They're throwing the ball because they want to get him in his hands. And that, to me, shows, shows that he's a versatile player that they want the ball in his hands. And maybe he's going to drop it, but if he doesn't, he's going to make something happen. So, mm-hmm. And he's great in pass protection. So I do think he has that three-down skill set and the, and the size. So if, you know, if he cleans up the hands or whatever, you know, I, I just think the production is there that he could settle in as that, like, 40 to 50 catch kind of guy in the season if he's able to claim a full-time role but to me dan you mentioned it a little bit to me his fatal flaw is his indecisiveness behind the line Mm -hmm. Uh, especially behind the line of scrimmage you know he doesn't hit the hole as soon as it opens sometimes you you see him wait and almost i don't want to say he's wait i don't want to put thoughts into the guy's heads but it looks like on film where he's often waiting till the the hole starts to close or and, and or he misses it completely and that's when uh, he gets bogged down there, uh, like you mentioned. It. To me, he's going to end up as, uh, for fantasy purposes, I think he's going to end up as kind of a weekly running back to flex kind of option for us. Um, and that's, you know, pretty good for a late first, early second round pick if in, in yeah. a one quarterback form. Yeah, he has a little bit of the James Cook thing where you you hope that he can carve out a role and, and be catch a few passes, run the ball six to eight times. I just don't know if that's enough. And that, that pushes him down my rankings just a little bit. He he doesn't necessarily fit into the first round for me. Where would you have him right now, Matt? I think he's right around that. I think he's in that big group of running backs uh, that we all think have potential to be lead backs, but have some kind of flaws. So right in that like 112 to 203 kind of range in a one quarterback and probably closer to the mid second and super flex. Yeah, I guess that's about where I have him right around Zach Charbonnet for me. I know you have Charbonnet a little higher than that, yeah. Matt. Um, he fits into that group of of running back. Tank Bigsby's in there. I think there's the potential Zach for, for Zach Evans to be in that group, although I like I like him quite a bit. But we'll get to him as we move along as well. Ryan, the draft capital is very questionable when it comes to this guy. We're we're not really sure where he's gonna land. He seems like a day three guy to me personally, that he won't go in the third round of the NFL draft. And if that's the case, it's going to push him beyond that middle of the second round in super flex rankings. Um, I, I have him at 18 now, but I could see him being closer to 24 if, if that kind of thing happened. Yeah, I haven't seen uh, I haven't seen any mocks that project him as a uh, even as a second round uh, NFL draft pick. So I, I do think it's pretty likely at this point uh, that he does fall to day three, you know, probably to the early part of day three, but you just don't look at him as having any really dominant traits Uh, and and the lack of pass catching uh, uh, upside certainly hurts from an NFL standpoint now as well. You know, we look, we look for that in dynasty leagues, but NFL teams are looking for that too uh, in, in almost every running back they'd, they draft and I don't I don't think Sean Tucker really has it so Tucker 36 receptions this year you guys yeah if you I'm you know I know you watched him 15.7 percent target share I mean I just 
he he's not I feel like we're knocking him catcher. for drops. He, no, he he's definitely not. Drops. He's not a natural. He's not a natural True. pass catcher, and the, he it, some of a lot of those catches are double catches, and you don't have time in the yeah. NFL to always He's make true. that catch, and and coaches don't put up with that kind of thing. So I just don't see it translating to the next level. I think we know how he is as a pass catcher. Sure, he can do it, but but teams don't put up with drops at the next level. So I, I don't think it it just doesn't work for me personally. Among our rankings right now, we have Zach Charbonnet, Michael Mayer, and Rashi Rice in that order at eight, nine, and ten among the players we have talked about. I would put him after Rashi Rice. I agree with that. I agree with that. Ryan? Uh yeah, I agree with that as well. Yeah, we'll see where that lands him by the end of this uh, this whole offseason. But we need to move on to our final player. It's uh, it's Tank Dell. I think I think his real name's Nathan, right? Nathan Dell. Nathaniel, uh, Nathaniel Dell, uh, the Houston wide receiver, and he is not a tank at all. He's he's a small <laughs> guy. He's a small guy, 5'10", 155 pounds. But I, I was I was not very familiar with him until. A couple weeks. In fact, I wasn't at all familiar with uh, Tank Dell until a couple weeks ago. But when you turn the film on uh, and you see the stats, 109 catches, 1,400 yards, and 17 touchdowns, he was that Houston led offense. the country, led the country, and he moved all over the place. If you want to see a weapon, uh, a player that NF the right NFL coach might fall in love with and say, "I can use him all over the place. I need him on my team." Tank Dell might be that guy. He's a playmaker, Matt. Yeah, I he's 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 really good. <laughs> Obviously, the size <laughs> of the question. I had him as a senior bowl weigh-in at 163.5805. So maybe even a little bit shorter uh than that. But like you said, first in receiving with touchdown, first uh sorry, second in receptions, first in yards. And in in his second year in his sophomore season, he also had 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns. So like you you think that that size is gonna be an issue, but it hasn't for this offense. Um, he's, I think he's an elite route runner. Uh, he runs all the right. Even you even see him running back shoulder fades at his size. And I, I don't think that's happening in, in the NFL. Um, but I, I do want to have a larger discussion about size and how it matters. Um, and, and, and just, I'll just run through mine real quickly. Uh, contested catchability against defend bigger defenders. You see that. And you think somebody that's small, like, he couldn't do it, but he was seven for 13 on contested touch opportunities. Quentin Johnson, only eight of 23, despite being six to eight inches taller and 40, 50 pounds heavier. The biggest one for me, though, is catch radius. And that's going to cause those NFL quarterbacks to have to have smaller throwing windows. This is going to be really hard for him to extend uh, for the ball outside of this frame, right? So that's the biggest issue with the size for me. The other one is injury, but he hasn't missed a single game. Uh, NFL, that can certainly change against bigger and faster defenders. Um, but I don't know, like, do we care about this size if he's that good as a route runner? Cause obviously that's how he's going to get open. The NFL is through his route running ability and quickness. Yeah. That, that big play ability. He so can like, turn we... the smallest play into a 70 yard touchdown. And that is a weapon. He, he is an offensive weapon, right? He's that guy that a coach is going to get their hands on and find those 14 snaps a game to get him on the field and not only use him as a playmaker, but use him as a decoy once they prove that he, he can be used that way. So I, I like him. I, I really do. I, I don't have him ranked in my DLF rankings though, because that, that size just scares the bejesus out of me. I, I, we don't see guys like that, Matt, move on to the NFL and be productive, not even ultra productive and dynasty stars, but even pretty productive. He's 
He's that slot I, receiver, but he is he's not going in the second or third round, is he? He's a fifth round guy or no, sixth round. Guy. No, I don't think so. But mm-hmm. like he just like you see that 17 mm-hmm. touchdowns? Maybe he is buying things. Uh the, the thing the thing that really stuck out for me was those 17 touchdowns. They weren't all like deep throws. You see him at the goal line being used on two, the two lane game. He's isolated and he just beats the guy off the line on a quick yeah. slant. A uh, Tulsa game, he he fakes this guy on a fade and then back inside like he he can I just I feel like he's, he's going to get open no matter yeah. what. I mean, he, yeah, he's just a jitterbug all over the field, uh, you know, sideline to sideline so quickly. I don't know. 50% catch rate. Obvious. The obvious comp here is is Tutu Atwell, who is 5'9", 165. Uh, And we know how his career has gone, but we also know he got second round draft capital and, and Tank Dell was way more productive than than Atwell was in and more, and, more yeah, impressive too. Tutu was yes. like a one trick pony, you know, like Tank is not that. I guess well, I guess really my point here is not I, not that I think Tank Dell is is Tutu Atwell, but that I think some of these things even as seemingly important as size that we get caught up on as fantasy players, as analysts, as football fans whatever, some teams just don't care. I mean, they mm-hmm. see the production they see, you know, they see the the play on the field, and that is enough in, in some cases because, uh, you know, in Tank Dell's case, it's just so good, so good. I wouldn't be surprised if he was a third round pick in the NFL draft at all. Yeah, and that's going to change how how dynasty players are going to feel about him. That'll certainly change my ranking or or lack thereof in this case. But you know his strength is that footwork and his ability to separate in a phone booth right when he's got a guy coming in uh, getting close to him he he's that jitterbug like you said Ryan and he has the ability to to fake one way and go the other way in a lightning snap and it's so yeah. impressive uh and we haven't even mentioned his punt, his punt and kick return skills right if you turn on the highlight film of Tank Dell you're going to see that and he is a a dynamic playmaker with the ball in his hands. I just I'm just not sure if he can ha- he can play more than ten snaps in an NFL game, or if teams will trust him to do that uh, because of that slight frame. If you got to rank Tank Dell right now, Matt, where are you putting him? Gosh, it's really it's really hard. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a good honestly. I don't like. I want to put him. I want to put him right around Rashi Rice. Like in, in terms of the players that we've ranked so far. But if he doesn't get the draft capital, then you see him. I see him more down, like around the Tajay Spears uh, area in our our current ranking. So I think I'm going to split the difference. Maybe and I guess I'm going to put him right after Rashi Rice. Is that too high? I feel like it. It might be, but if he gets the draft capital, I think that is not splitting the difference. <laughs> splitting the difference not- between Rashi, Rashi Rice and Tajay Spears is not right underneath Rashi Rice. <laughs> That's, fair. Six That's fair. I, but I. But I <laughs> But I like him better than Kincaid and McIntosh and Abanaconda and and maybe even Spears. Oh, I, I don't think you but... can put him over Kincaid. Kincaid's going to be a first round tight end. Okay, fine. Can we put him yeah. after Kincaid at eleven? I can't. Is that too I high? was gonna. I was gonna, like. <laughs> I, I would be okay with ranking him around Tajay Spears, who we talked about last week. Okay. If you if you guys want to land right. in that range, personally, I'll... I would have him down and down within the last two or three guys that we we ranked here. I wanted to put him between a Banacanda and Spears, which would I be like uh let's do it. All 15 right. overall. 
I can I can live with that. I I do think it's exciting the the upside of the player on a one play basis. Like we talked about uh, the receiver from the Saints that was under uh, Rashid Shahid a couple of weeks yes. ago as a, as a yep. sleeper stash of the week, and he could have that role where he he's that deep threat and he makes a couple plays and then add the the gadget plays and the punt return to that. And that's a player a little better than Rashid Shaheed. And that's yeah. why, that's how I see his potential or Undra- maybe his upside a little Rashid higher. Yeah, undrafted Rashid Shaheed. That's how I see him. And that's why I see him drafted in the sixth round of the NFL draft. But but I didn't see a lot of these other little receivers with all that quicks and all the speed getting drafted in the second, third, and fourth round in the past either. So maybe I'm behind cool. on that. That's why I think during our combine show, we should really have a discussion. I know we got Q and A and stuff. We should have a discussion about size because it, to me, it's very important for this class. Like all of these receivers outside of Clinton Johnson, Cedric Tillman, those guys, um, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigma, they, you know, he's around that six foot, 200 pound range, which is not small, not big, but like, there's so many good small players in this class. And I think, you know, figuring out how that relates to the day's NFL is going to be important. He uh, is not small. He's not, he's tiny. He's minute. He's, he's he is <laughs> as small as any player that's ever played in the NFL. That that's not small. Small is 5'10, 190. That's small. Not not 5'8. Jordan Addison 55. Jordan Addison's 5'10, what, what, 185, 175? So is that that's a massive difference? Those 30 pounds make a difference, man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we we're Clearly all the way into overtime here, uh, and overtime has ended. Um, get Ryan at RyanMC23. Matt's at MattPriceFF. I'm at DMyler22, the DLF podcast, at DLF podcast. And join us Monday night, 8 o'clock. We're going to be talking about the combine, talking about a lot of these players. Uh, potential landing spots could come up, What's uh, what to expect on the field and in interviews. We're going to talk about all that stuff, and we want your questions for that. So join us. Check Twitter. Check all the socials. We're, we're going to get that out to you, and you're all invited to join us. So uh, for Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Thank we'll catch you, you again next week. To the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.